but uh, the church is involved, and we'll see another uh, application or two, another passage or two dealing with the church and uh, uh, this morning as we go through. But we dealt with these uh, th- th- to whom. So as we go about our life, whole point being, as, as you go day by day in your life, you, you got at least in the back of your head, is the Lord bringing somebody or something to my mind that I need to try to help? And it's not just financial, right? That's what we most commonly associate with it. But it may be just you giving some time, you giving some counsel, you giving the cup of water. All right? So today, uh, I want to consider the question that came up, well, is there a time that we are, are not to give? We see somebody with a need... So what do we do? Do we just give to them, meet that need? Okay. It's clear they have a need, and the Lord's brought it to my attention. So am I to give? Or if I've been giving, maybe I've been helping, is there a time when I stop say, can't do it anymore? Can't do it anymore. All right? Take a look at 1 Thessalonians now, if you recall, preacher actually dealt with this. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Dealt with this when he was going through this part. And 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verse 11 was the verse... Uh, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, and so forth. Now, do you remember what was happening? Remember what was happening here? The Lord's dealing with the passage is dealing with the Lord's coming back. All right? And these people, okay, the Lord's coming back. And what were they doing? They were sitting waiting for the Lord to come back. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? We got this passage in Thessalonians. How many times? How many times have we had instances where somebody's taken it upon themselves to say the Lord will return on this day? And you get people who follow that person, and what do they do? They sell what they have, they quit their job, they give... Two weeks notice, well, it's only the considerate thing to do because I'm going to be gone so I can at least let my employer know when the Lord takes me out of here, I won't be here anymore. Uh, But they, they quit their work. And that's what was happening in Thessalonians with the, the, the Thessalonians, Thessalonians. Uh, But uh, they were, they were sitting and what was happening? They didn't have any food to eat. So they were going to the brethren and said, can you help us? We don't have anything to eat. And point being here, no, we can't help you. Because the only reason you don't have anything to eat is because you're not working. And you're fully capable of working. I, I put a little note in my, uh, in my notes 
These are the people that are too spiritual to work. Now, I use spiritual in a whatever, a bit of a sarcastic way. They, they, in their heart, are believing what they're believing. All right? They're convinced, a lot of them, with some of these things. You know? But if you've got somebody that says, well, the Bible says that God will supply all my needs, so why should I have to work? And there are people who would argue that. You say, well, that's rather foolish, isn't it? Well, it is, but there are people who argue that. And there are people then who wind up with a need because they've taken Scripture and made a use of it totally contrary to the rest of Scripture. God, as we've noted, gave Adam a job from the very beginning and said, do it. This is your job. Six days you do this. He didn't say, I mean, there's no, there's, there's no manual there. I don't see where there was any time off. No provision for vacation, no provision for anything. Six days, you do this. Now, I'm not against vacations or whatever, but it's just interesting, isn't it? We, we tend more and more to try to limit the obligation to work. Well, we've got to have our leisure time. We've got to have our time off. And again... That's fine, but most of the time, the benefits that, you, that, that we, we crave for that time off is in large part what we lost because we didn't properly observe the Lord's day. That's what the Lord's day is for, in part, to restore, to help the body, the mind, the spirit be restored. And if you don't do that, then it's not surprising that there are issues. But here are those that uh, were not doing so. Would those be people that we should give to? Well, maybe, maybe you do one time out of feeling sorry and look, I'll help you this time. But I would hope that we would say, but, but you need to get back to work. The, the, the reason I've got something to give you is I'm part of the same church you're part of, but I haven't stopped working because I thought the Lord was coming back. I'm still working so that I can provide for myself, my family, and as it turns out, maybe here for you. But a word of warning to them. Would we continue to help them? Well, that would be between you and the Lord. It's your stuff. But I would suggest to you that you are enabling them in their wrong understanding and interpretation of Scripture. And so if you are going to continue to help them, you may want to get them in a Bible study or something with you and say, well, I'll help you as 
and, and let's, but let's study this out. Let's just see what everybody else is doing. Let's see what God's word says about working. All right? So those two spiritual work. Turn to Ecclesiastes. Right after Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 2. Now, it's an interesting, interesting passage. Um, Ecclesiastes 2, we'll, we'll start with verse 17. We're going to go through 24. And you can read the entire chapter. Uh, you have time, but listen, listen to what is, is said here. Therefore, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun, that is what I'm doing, is grievous unto me for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it unto the man that shall be here after me or shall be after me. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? Yet shall he have rule over my, all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. Therefore, I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity, yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart wherein he hath labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrows and his travail grief. Yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. Now I'll read 24 in a minute, but let's just... What, what's he saying here? Why is, why is he so discouraged? Obviously, he's worked hard. All right? He's applied himself. He's accumulating. But now what's he thinking about? Do what? That's right. I'm going to die, and everything I've worked hard for is going to belong to somebody else. And what if they're a fool? You know, why in the world should I work to leave it to somebody else and I don't have a clue if they're going to use it wisely or not? They haven't worked for it. They haven't labored for it. It's going to be a gift to them. But what will they do with it? And the more he thought about it, the worse he got for him. Worse he got. Well, then why should I bother? Verse 24, there is nothing better for a man, okay? There's nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God, okay? Interesting, isn't it? How your perspective, how you approach things can just change the picture entirely everything he said before was true he was going to die and leave it to somebody else 
everything he'd worked for. All true. And he could get really depressed with that. And he was. Then he got reminded, you know what? It is nice isn't it, to have food on the table. Kind of nice to have a car to drive or whatever it may be. It's kind of nice just to be satisfied with a good day, honest day's work. You know, I've got a lot to be thankful for. I can enjoy things because I've worked hard. And there are things then that I can enjoy. Right? So if you looked at verse 24 alone, you don't get the entire picture of where he's coming from. And this group, well, let's, uh, let's look another one in Ecclesiastes 3. And we'll pick up with verse 9. What profit, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 9, what profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? A little bit of the same thing again. I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Isn't that part of what we're talking about in this Eighth Commandment? It's a gift from God to be able to work, to labor, so that you can enjoy. You can have what you need. And you can be blessed and in turn bless others. The gift of God. You ever stop and get up in the morning and been a long night or it was a long day the day before and you get up and got to go to work and you say, hmm, well, I just would rather not today. You know, it's going to be another long, hard day. Or do we get up saying, ah, another gift from the Lord. Another day that I can go to work. I can labor and I can be exhausted at the end of the day, just like I was yesterday. What a gift. Ecclesiastes kind of tells us that might not be a bad approach. Might not be a bad approach. And Ephesians 4.28, which is one of the proof texts in our in our material. Um, let him that stole, it's on page 480 uh, in number four. Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. So I have put in this group, Actually, Ephesians 4 is going to end the next group. The Ecclesiastes, those two I, labored, I labeled not willing to work. The first group were too spiritual to work. This is somebody who's convinced themselves they shouldn't work. It's just vanity. Stupid. You know, why should I work just to leave it to somebody else? 
or not to be able to enjoy it. All right, and I'm getting sidetracked here a little bit, but it goes back to what we fix our heart on. If you work for goods, you're going to be dissatisfied because either you're never going to have enough or you're never going to use what you have. It's going to bother you both ways. You want more, so you think you can do more. But you never use what you have. And then you get to where we just were. And then, oh no, I'm going to die. And everything I've got, I never enjoyed it. So use it just to reflect on what enjoyment do you get out of your labor? Because scripture tells us it's a gift from God. And you should get enjoyment out of it. So it's not the stuff. It's the gift. It's not setting our affections on things on the earth. It's enjoying what God has given to us from heaven. Okay? And as we start doing that, then when we set our heart on the kingdom of God, we have no doubt, no concerns, no worry that God will supply all our needs. All these things all the things we have need of will be added. Okay? Wonderful, wonderful thoughts. And, and a little different than what we a lot of times think in these areas. So too spiritual to work, not willing to work. Ephesians 4.28 that we just um, talked about. Look at Proverbs 10. So if you still had... Ecclesiastes open your back just a few pages. Proverbs 10, verse 4. He that becometh poor that dealeth, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Right? This is a group that I call that rather still than work. Deal with a slack hand of what that slack hand could be. But could be a dishonest hand, could just be a lazy hand, too lazy to work, they'd rather steal. They, they, they know they have a need. That's one of the things here. They, have, they know they have a need. They have a desire anyway to have money, but they'd rather steal it than work. Say, so how do you have that mentality? Well, Depends on what's controlling your heart. You ask a drug addict, why do you steal? Because i got to have drugs. Well, why don't you get a job? Because I can't keep a job. Because I'm on drugs. Or I can't make enough. Or, you know, I can't make enough to live and have my drugs. 
So I'm, I got a job. That helps me pay my bills, but I don't have any money for my addiction. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, you name it. So what do they do? They look for ways to get money to satisfy what they're doing. They, they'd rather steal than either give up, be content. You know, all these things we've talked about come into play. Right? Yes. You're walking down the street, you see the drug addict on the sidewalk. And is he your neighbor? Is he my neighbor? Is he, I mean, is he somebody to consider? Yes. Is he a neighbor to consider? Yes. Yes. Can I hang on to that question for a minute? All right. All right. So uh, now, let me let me let me address. If the help is to give him money so he can go buy more drugs, and you know that's what he's going to do, would you help him? Okay, okay. Would anybody, anybody think you help them? If you know. Okay, good. All right. Jordan, is that what you? Okay. All right. So, let's just stop and think a minute. Now we've talked about this. Helping is not just money. So, is there a way to helping? All right, so so what would be ways that, that, I mean, yes, he's got to be willing, but assuming that there might be some willingness on his part, what would be would be the first thing you'd want to do? Okay, non-monetary, somebody. What does he need the most? He needs the gospel. All right, so you're going to, now, if he's if he's out in la la land on his drugs, you know what he understands. But don't 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 keep back from giving him the gospel because you don't think he can understand. Holy Spirit can sober somebody up pretty quick, right? You've all heard the stories. Somebody drunk as they could be. Somebody was giving them the gospel and they heard every word of it. So never limit. The next thing would be, all right, what does he need physically? And somebody mentioned drug rehab. Sure. Because if somebody doesn't help him with that, what's he going to do? He's obviously influenced by people he's around or he's got this addiction and that stuff's real. But, Paul, do you have...
just an interest in us. Yeah. A little bit of time, sometimes. A little bit of time. Jay, what are you seeing in your drugs? What, what do they mean to you? You want to share with me how you got there? Share with you, I got a, had a situation, you get appointed sometimes to minors or DSS cases. Young fellow, got on drugs, the way he got started on drugs, all right? Could I ask him, hey, how'd you get messed up in this stuff? And uh, he said, well, after school, we, we had a place, we'd take our skateboards out and we had one of the ramps and we'd go out there after school until it was time to go home, folks got home or whatever. We'd go out there and do this. And he said, uh, they shut it down. Afraid of the liability. And so I didn't have anything to do. Started hanging out with some of my friends at their house. Friends introduced him to drugs. So they started doing drugs at house in the afternoon instead of out on their skateboard. Okay? That's all it took. That's all it took. So, yeah, and, and Paul's point, good, good point. Sometimes it's just have an interest. Well, look, you got any skills? And you might find out that they're highly educated or that they have very, they're very talented. They may be able to take a car apart and put it back together blindfolded. Fine. How about we start working on your problem? And maybe I can help you find a job. You know, saw a picture. I saw a picture on one of the things, you know, the internet stuff. A young lady, drugs, picture of her. Horrible. You look horrible. You look like somebody been on drugs, big time. Picture beside it was her in her um, cap and gown, graduating from college. Totally different. Beautiful young lady. You wouldn't have said that from the first picture. Now, I don't know what happened. I have no idea. I can give you another, I, one more story. Young lady was helping drugs. Her stepfather committed suicide. Then her boyfriend committed suicide. She slit her wrist, supposedly, trying to take her own life. It was pretty clear that she didn't intend to, but at least she'd gone through some motions. She had a grandmother that was trying to help her, but she would leave and get with her friends and then not come back. Her mom, drugs, prostitution, everything. I mean, terrible. Kind of like what Paul was saying. Somebody in a situation, terrible. So we wound up trying to figure out what to do. And I was appointed as her guardian. And uh, I said, well, how about we send her away? There was a couple down mid-state that would take in, I think, three or four girls at a time. And 
took them in and loved the daylights out of them. Treated them like their own. Her grandmother wasn't real happy. Her mom wasn't happy. I'm not sure why her mom wasn't, but her grandmother, well, I'll never see her. I can't, and, and, and she cared about her. But I said, look, here's the deal. We got to get her away from her friends. And we did. And she had a lot of talent. Uh, I went over and saw her, saw some of the poetry she had written and stuff. Very talented young lady. Finished school, went on to tech school, I think, uh, doing very well. But the environment, the time that that family, that DS, that foster family put in the way they dealt with them, all the difference in the world, and got her away from her friends up here. Now, she came back to Greenville in t at times. She refused to get with her friends. Once she saw what a difference it made in her life, she realized, I've been a fool. These friends are not my friends as such. So... Um, good, little sidetrack there in one sense, but not because it's exactly being aware, being, being conscious, at least semi-conscious, that everybody you meet every day may need something from you that God has equipped you to give them, whatever it is. Just making us that much more aware. All right? And then the, the uh, Proverbs 10.4, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. That group I labeled too lazy to work. That's my too lazy to work group. So too spiritual to work, not willing to work, rather still than work, too lazy to work. So those, that's a group of people that you don't need to be giving money to. They may need your help, but it's not monetarily, as we've just talked about. There are other ways to help them, but not monetarily. All right? And then John 6, 10. We'll turn there, my last group. Well, I've got two groups. John 6, 10. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And so forth, and down verse 12. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. All right? Now, why do I bring this passage in? Well, you don't give to somebody that's wasteful. I think the Lord was making a point here. I don't know what they did with those baskets, but we're told under inspiration that the Lord didn't intend for any of it to be lost. Maybe they gave it back to whose food they borrowed at the, from the beginning and said, here, your, uh, your willingness has been blessed so you can share with your neighbors and your folks or whatever. I don't know. But he makes the point 
that nothing be lost. You, you give to somebody, you give them food. You got somebody that's hungry. You give them food. They take a couple of bites. Yeah, I don't like this. They throw it in the trash. You got anything else to eat? How do you respond to that? Would you give them something else? I've seen it happen. You know? It hits you the wrong way for sure. I just gave you something to eat and you threw it in the trash because it wasn't good enough for you, you didn't like it, whatever it is. If you're hungry, you've ever been really, really hungry, you know? You, you, you get to where you eat a lot of things that you didn't think you would ever eat, much less just things because you don't like the way it tastes. All right? So don't give to people who are going to take what you give and be wasteful with it. A drug addict? Gets to be a little bit of a difficult situation, doesn't it? Where you spend time and you're working with them and you're helping and what do they do? Drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. Boom. Relapse. So then, that's it. Now, you know, we have to understand if we undertake to do that, these people don't just change overnight. Some of them have, you, you do hear the stories, but that's a rare thing. Jordan? Good and loud for me. You get the guy that uh, is laying on the side of the road, and you get him back on his feet, and you say, okay, have a good day, but you don't pay any attention or you don't stop to think. You know, he's got a broken leg. So the fact that I got him back up on his feet, what's he going to do if he takes a step and puts his weight on that broken leg? He's going to be right back down on the ground. So, yeah, sometimes it's a long-term thing. Kevin?
said, is there anything that I can do for you? And he says, well, I noticed your coat before. It's kind of cold outside. They were in Philadelphia. It's kind of cold outside, so I, I'd really appreciate it if, if I could borrow a coat. He took him into his closet. He said, pick one. And the man picked his favorite one. And he said, sure. Not alone, you don't have to give it back. Months later, the man came to dinner again, and he said, uh, I, I noticed that you came to dinner with me again, you know, normally. Uh, it's, it's a one and done type thing, so, you know, what, what made you want to come have dinner with me again? He said, because you gave me a cookie. Yeah. You gave me your favorite cookie. I think a lot of times we can dismiss the needs that people have just because they're hurting so much that they don't know how to receive our love. That they will, in ways that we can't fathom, push that love away so far to see how far it may come back to them. Yeah, it's, um, and, and we, we get to this, and I guess we'll finish up next week with my last thing, and that's, well, two, two, two things. The end goal and how we do it, which I think the how we do it, Jack, will get to what I put off on yours. But yes, ultimately, back, we're, Ten Commandments, right? And the Ten Commandments, summary of the moral law, but the summary of the Ten Commandments is in two things, what? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. All right? The Eighth Commandment, what we're doing here, is embodied. And we've talked about it in the expression of love. We're going to see that some next week with what we, what we have here, too. Which gets back to, you don't do what this gentleman did unless what's motivating you to give the gospel certainly is a love for their soul. Just how much are you willing to show that love? All right? Well, I'll share with them the gospel. Okay, that's good. Will you share with them your favorite coat? Who? Mm, that's my favorite coat. Kevin and I have had a lot of different experiences, and we actually have worked in uh, ministries that we've also done this. And we, pay, we walk downtown a lot. We pay a lot of attention to that, that culture. And there's one thing about Americans. Um, we give away billions and billions of dollars to everybody over the world. Uh, and in our culture, there, there's something there though that it's about convenience uh, and it's easier to give that person a $20 bill than to care two jobs and a tittle about as you know it. So that connectivity, that connection where I see who you are, that, that, that can be a problem. It's the thing that will help both of us um, because there's a sanctification process that's happening for us as we labor in these ways, God's showing us more and more about himself.
himself and his uh, unending love and the, the depths that he was willing to go for us, which we don't deserve, and in that relationship with that person that is utterly lost where we were before we knew him, <laughs> maybe not the same circumstances, but just as dead, yeah, we're going, and, and we'll hit we we hit on it when we started on this the passages especially in uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy there were the key verses in there why do you give why are you where why are you where because just what we're going to be thinking about today. And, and if I forget, remind me of this next week, too, because I want to tie it in. The question gets to be who's to meet the needs. Okay? Who, what are we, how do we deal with this? Because you're exactly right. It's hard to go through life, almost any day of life, and not be confronted either actually, mentally, some picture visually of needs. And obviously, the greatest need that's a constant is the need for the gospel, to hear the gospel constantly. And so how do we, how do we meet those needs? Well, I'm a couple minutes past, so let me close, and we'll pick back up. Thank you all again. Good, good thoughts, good discussion, and um, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I think it helps because, number one, it, it lets others see that they're not the only one with some of these questions, and uh, it's good for us, good for us. All right, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the blessings that you bestow upon us every day. Lord, that we know something of the love of God in Christ Jesus is such an overwhelming blessing if that was the only thing we knew Lord how blessed we would be but Lord we see your hand of mercy and grace extended toward us every day in in a lot of ways and we thank you for it we ask that you would forgive us Lord for the times we aren't grateful and Lord help us as we've been considering to be mindful of how it is you would have us use what you give to us, whatever form that takes, how in turn we use it for thy kingdom and for thy glory, for the good of our fellow man. So, Lord, help us 
Grant to us thy spirit to help us in our worship, in the worship time to follow. Lord, minister to our hearts through thy word. Be with our minister and fill him with thy spirit that he might be led of thee in what he has to say. So give us understanding. Give us application, we pray. For we pray it in Christ's precious name. Amen.